Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, March the 18th, 2022. It is currently 9.56 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. What do you do when a story that was already bad, a story that was already discouraging and depressing, what do you do when a a bad story, a discouraging story, a depressing story turns, well, to a story that now is horrific, horrible, terrifying, unbelievable, you're, you're, you don't even really know what to say. What do you do when a story goes from bad to horrible? It goes from bad to worse. What do we do? And that really is the challenge and the question for this episode, because we have a horrible story that we've been talking about. Well, I should say a really bad story that we've been talking about. And today we now, that story has become horrible and we have to continue to talk about it. Now, before I say anything else, before I say anything else about the story, remind you, go through any of the horrific details. Before I go back into the story, let me remind you of a couple of things. Number one, yes, this story involves a very beloved, famous pastor, And whenever that happens, people immediately just break into teams. You either are on the team of the pastor or you're on the team against the pastor. And basically, truth gets cast uh, cast aside and everyone just starts fighting for their team, their tribe. And we cannot do that. We, We cannot do that. We need to look at what happened and we need to be open and honest with it. Second, I, I really tried to do this. And, 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 and sometimes uh, there are certain horrible stories that I, I feel it's very easy to do. And then there are times there are stories that kind of make it a little bit more difficult to do that. And in this particular case, I feel I have struggled in some ways to do this, to, to do what I'm about to tell you, I, I, I think should be the philosophy and the principle we need to, to follow. I've struggled with following this philosophy and this principle because this story has required so much of, of trying to figure out, okay, so what's the timeline? Okay, what happened here? Okay, how do we understand this? And I, it, it, it's just been, it's, it's, it's taken a lot of time to try to put all of the pieces together. But my philosophy is this, is that whenever we hear these horrible stories about something happening in the body of Christ, something happening to a pastor, anything that horrible that happens, it's easy to, in a sense, open up the window, you know, yell, yell down, you know, like I'm, I'm here in the second, second story of my house. I can open up the window behind me and yell down, you know, down to the people below me, you know, you're all wrong. You're all guilty. You're all sinners. But here I am on the second floor. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm somehow, you know, going to act like I have some moral superiority. I I don't want that to be the case. I don't want us in a sense just to look out the window and yell and condemn and scream. I, I, there are some things here that have to be talked about and clearly can be condemned. But at some point, I want that window to turn into a mirror and we look at ourselves. For, for those of us who've ever been in ministry, we look at ourselves. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? 
and hopefully be convicted by it. And hopefully it will challenge us to do better in the future. If you've been a church member, maybe this will challenge you about how you conducted yourself as a church member and how your church has done things. I want it, I want, I mean, anytime we hear these stories, I talked about this over and over when I would talk about the rise and fall of Mars Hill when we were reviewing episodes of that podcast and talking about it. Yes, we could sit there again using the illustration. I'm here on the second floor, open up the window and yell, Mark Driscoll was really, really bad. And Mars Hill was really, really messed up. And, and we're better than them. Well, I mean, even though we may not say those words, that's how it would come across. And then we could just talk about it, talk about it, condemn. And just, you know, that's, that's just almost turns into a hobby. I, uh, at some point, I wanted us to, to, to not look out the window, but to look into the mirror and go, okay. What can we learn from everything that happened at Mars Hill so that we can repent, so that we can do better, so that we can move forward in our sanctification, so that we can be better in our Christian life? If all this turns into is everyone looking at the story pointing fingers, then nothing really is accomplished. People love to do that. When, when, when someone falls, when there's horrible sin, People love the condemning, the pointing of the fingers, and then and then spreading the information. But I want this whole situation to be, it, it forces us to look at ourselves. It forces us to look at ourselves because I can't speak for you. I can speak for me. There's plenty that I still continue to need to work on and to get better. And there are plenty of things in my past where I messed up in big ways. So I don't, I don't stand here in some you know, I'm on some, that I'm morally superior. I'm, I say it all the time. I'm just a sinner sitting in front of a microphone. I'm just a sinner trying to look at the, this thing we call Christianity and understanding it from a biblical and theological perspective and trying to help us all move forward. Because this story is just, it's, it's so messed up and so many ways. Let's go through the basics, all right? The basics. There was a woman by the name of Eileen Gray. She was married to a man by the name of David Gray. David Gray was employed by Grace Community Church, yes, John MacArthur's church. He taught the Bible and he taught music. David Gray was physically abusing his wife and children and verbally abusing them. The situation got bad enough that Eileen Gray separated and got a protective order from the courts against David Gray. She also went to the elders of Grace Community Church to seek help. In this crazy story, the woman who was abused, trying to protect her kids, She's the one who ends up being publicly shamed twice from the pulpit by John MacArthur, and she is the one who is excommunicated. She is the one who is church disciplined. She is the one, when we understand church discipline using biblical language, she was the one one turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. David Gray, the abuser ends up going to prison where he still is today. We find out, and he is found guilty of more than just physical abuse, more than just verbal abuse. 
He was found guilty of sexual abuse of children. He sexually abused children. The abuser is not church disciplined. The abuser not only goes to prison, but continues to receive the support and and, uh, and is defended by those associated with Grace Community Church. They continue to support and defend him. And it feels that in some cases, they are still doing that here in 2022. The story, and all of that is already bad. You may already say, well, it can't get much worse than that. Oh, well, it, it does in a lot of different ways. And we're going to talk about this. Now, this story raises all kinds of questions about church discipline, raises questions about church membership. And I've tried to address some of that. And uh, a, a number of you have asked some very difficult questions. And, and we've had some very back and forth conversations about church discipline, about church membership. And it, it does raise many of those questions. And we will be talking more about that. But here's where the story goes from bad to worse, from bad to horrific to horrible to terrifying. And, and, and again, I still don't understand why, why many of, of MacArthur's supporters just are dismissing it or it's just their attitude is, is almost like basically who cares? It, it, I don't understand. A woman was abused. Her child, her children were sexually abused. And that, and that gets just a, a shrug of the shoulders from, from Christians? Like, what has happened to Christianity? When a woman is abused, children are sexually molested, and Christians are kind of like, well, you know, happened a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, well, who cares? I, it, I, something has horribly gone wrong within the body of Christ. Something has horribly gone wrong. Now, let's be very fair. I don't care where you look. I don't care what church you look to. And I don't care what year you look to in church history, the church has always, there, there's always been and there always will be in the church horrible things that take place. I mean, there are horrible things happening in the church of Corinth. I mean, you just read the New Testament, the, the letters to correct these churches, there were horrible things happening in those churches because churches are made up of sinners. The pastor is a sinner. Everyone sitting in the pew is a sinner. Now, that doesn't excuse the sin. And the sin has to be dealt with. But we have to understand there's going to be sin. And when sin happens within the church, hopefully what we get at some point is confession, okay, accountability, and then what I always hope for is restoration. Not just, oh, you sin, now we crucify you and we throw you in the trash bin and we all move on. That, no, Christianity has to be a place, yes, there is sin, we don't excuse it, we deal with it, but we deal with it in a way to bring restoration, all right? Just think about your Bible. I mean, David murdered someone. David committed adultery, yet God used him to write a lot of the Psalms. Solomon was a serial adulterer, a serial adulterer, a polygamist, idolater. I mean, look at what his heart is turned away from God, yet God used him to write books in the Bible, yet God used him to build the temple. Peter, who denied Jesus not just once, not two times, but three times, his, his, 
his, in a sense, being held accountable and restoration took a short amount of time. He goes from denying Christ three times to basically going back fishing to being confronted by Jesus. And the next thing you know, he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. So we, we, we do know that men of God can fall, can hurt the name of Christ. We, we all have to acknowledge this, but we always hope for restoration, restoration, accountability. The problem with this story is it seems Grace Community Church, they don't want to confess anything. They don't want to be held accountable for anything. They don't even feel like they have to give a response to anything. All right. Yes. Uh, that is very, very important. Someone in the chat just said, we should also pray for David Gray. That is very true. I, 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 I tried to mention that in a previous broadcast. If I was not explicit enough, the man in prison needs to be prayed for. The man in prison hopefully needs to be held accountable. The man in prison needs, obviously, Christians not just to abandon him. All right. So, and, and, and again, it's one thing not, and this is very, I'm gonna, I've got to draw this distinction because the story goes from bad to worse here. And we're getting ready to talk about it. It's one thing not to abandon the person in prison. It's another thing to continue to support the person as if they are innocent and the person is never held accountable. And that's where things have gone really, really bizarre with Grace Community Church because it appears that they've never held David Gray accountable. But no, he shouldn't be abandoned and we should pray for him as well. We should pray for Eileen. We should pray for her children. We should pray for everyone at Grace Community Church. We should pray, pray for uh, John MacArthur. Yes, this is not about how many people we can destroy. This is about, this is a horrible situation. Pray for everyone. Pray that this can be handled in a godly way and see what we can, and look to ourselves. I, I know I'm really belaboring that point, but I just, I don't want this to be misunderstood. I know so much of the, I've, I've watched videos and, and, and so many people are talking about it, podcasts, everyone's talking about this. And a lot of the approach is either, John MacArthur is next, you know, basically he's so godly, so holy that you know, no, nobody should ever accuse him of anything. And then the other side is like, this person did this and this person did this and this person did that. And I'm trying to find a, a, a biblical middle here is what I'm trying to do. This is horrible and ugly and it has to be discussed. But just remember, we've got, we've got to look to ourselves. But, but here's how the story, this is what happened last night. 8.44 p.m. I think I didn't, I saw the story at around 8.48, 8.49 p.m. because I knew another story was coming. I knew another report was going to drop. I knew, I had heard rumors that another report was coming and I was waiting for it. So I, I'd, I'd been going to the site and refreshing it throughout the day just to see when the next story was going to drop, hoping that maybe the next story would clarify something or maybe it would, it would make you know, maybe help the situation not look so, so bad. I, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I knew another story was coming and I, I was fearful that it was going to be bad. But 8.44 p.m., the following story drops. Exclusive, John MacArthur's church supported convicted child abuser and pedophile records show. Now, with my first question when I saw the headline is supporting them in what way? Now, if they just continue to pray with pray for him, they they went to the prison to visit him, to counsel him. Okay, that's one thing, 
But what do we mean by support? If it's something other than that, then this is going to go from bad to worse. And I think I've already given it away. This is going to go from bad to worse. Let's read a little bit from the story. Again, now I, and I, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to read everything in this report. I, I'm just going to offer a couple, some thoughts here. I would challenge everyone. In fact, I'm going to try to put this in the description, uh, in the episode, in the notes, in the, in the show notes. I'm going to put the link, but go to julieroys.com, julieroys.com, or just go to Google and type in Roy's report, R-O-Y-S. You can see the article for yourself. Please read it. Read every single word. I've seen too many people commenting on these stories, and they've not even read the actual full reports. Read all the reports. Read. Follow the links to any supporting documentation. Read everything. Uh, because then you, that when people are talking about it, then you'll hopefully be able to speak about it from a position of knowledge, not a position of ignorance, okay? Opinions based off ignorance are useless. We want to be as, as informed as we can. But here's, the, again, here's the headline. Exclusive. John MacArthur's church supported convicted child abuser and pedophile records show. On February the 20th, 2004, now, if our timeline was correct, I believe everything really, really kicks off in, I think, 2001, I think is where everything really starts going really bad. And then by 2002, that's when she is publicly shamed twice, once in May, and then in August, she's excommun- publicly shamed and excommunicated. So you have basically a, a, a year where everything goes from Everything just starts spiraling out of control, and it's just the woman who's abused protecting her children is the one who is excommunicated. It's just, it's it's hard to even wrap your mind around how that could even, how could it could go down that way. But okay, here we go. So February 20th, 2004, right? So about a little less than two years um, after she is excommunicated, David Gray, A former teacher at John MacArthur's Grace Community Church was charged with multiple counts of sexual and physical abuse of children, plural, not a child, but children. Multiple counts of sexual and physical abuse. He was charged with multiple counts. Five days later, Carrie Hardy, an associate pastor at Grace Community Church and personal assistance to MacArthur, emailed a letter to the church, which reportedly was posted at the Grace Community Church's website. In the letter, Hardy defends David Gray and challenges the credibility of Gray's wife, if I said Ellen Gray, Eileen Gray, okay, if I if I said her name wrong, I apologize. Eileen Gray. I, I've seen a lot of people online mispronouncing her name. And, I, and if I just did that, I apologize. But Eileen Gray um, is, he, he, he challenges her credibility. So the, the man is charged with multiple, multiple accounts, uh, accounts of sexual and physical abuse. That happens. And five days later, we're going to we're going to go after we're going to attack and challenge her credibility. We're going to go after her. 
Now, why would the church, at this point, the church should stop and wait and try to find out they, unless they've got like overwhelming evidence that he's innocent and she lied and they shouldn't be, they, they should immediately be going to the authorities going, no, here's, here's all the evidence. Here it is. We've got video. We've, we, we can prove it. Right here, it just seems, put it this way. At this point, you would have to at least say, this is highly questionable to just downright, what are you doing? So in a letter, he def- they defend David Gray, challenged the credibility of Gray's wife, Eileen Gray, whom Grace Community Church had shamed and excommunicated just 18 months earlier for separating from David. Eileen also had reported Gray's abuse to the Los Angeles Police Department in June 2003. And then here I quote, I'm sure you know by now that one of our own, this is, the, this is what is written in the letter by uh, Carrie Hardy, it's just as crazy. One of our own, David Gray, has been arrested. Hardy stated in the letter, the accusations being brought against him have to do with child abuse. Most likely, these accusations come from his estranged wife, Eileen. Hardy wrote that the church was first made aware of the allegations two to three years ago, but he added that after a time of counseling, the church became very concerned with the integrity of Eileen's statements and had to disfellowship her. So now in this letter, hey, we, 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 after counseling, we, we, we begin to question her. We didn't, we didn't believe her. But wait a minute. If you go back to the timeline, they, after they hear the accounts, they don't renew David Gray's contract. He's basically let go. But wait a minute. Why would you let him go if, if you come to the realization that Eileen was making it all up, like right there just becomes like the whole timeline thing begins to fall apart. Not only that, it, this is really crazy. Hardy's, Hardy's letter, which is no longer available online, but the Roy's report obtained a cop, a copy from retired LAPD detective Nancy Nelson confirmed she downla- downloaded in 2004 from the Grace Community Church website in his letter. Hardy did not mention that just three months earlier, David had filed for divorce. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Eileen is excommunicated because they say it's wrong for her to separate from her husband. The husband files for divorce. She didn't file for divorce. He files for divorce. He's never excommunicated or publicly shamed. And now a letter is being written to defend him. And, and the letter just, just happens to not mention that David filed for divorce. This is where the story just, I, I don't even understand. At this point, I'm just so baffled and confused. If he's the one who filed for divorce and the church has a very strong stance against divorce, why wouldn't he be in trouble? And not only that, he's the abuser. Not only that, he's the one who molested the children. And he's the one who files for divorce. It's it's almost, it's almost as if, I'm not saying this is actually the way it works, but it's almost as if, this 
is how it works at Grace Community Church. It just seems like it based on this story. So you are a man and you decide that you no longer want to be married to your wife. How can you get, how can you be divorced from your wife and not be church disciplined and not be held accountable by your church? Well, it seems according to Grace Community Church, you beat your wife, you abuse your children, you sexually molest your children, drive your wife to have to file for separation and seek a protective order. And then she'll, she'll end up getting in trouble with the church and then you can file for a divorce because that's exactly how it plays out. David had filed for divorce. Now I, I keep, that's what's being reported. If, the, if, if he did not file for divorce, that needs to be, that needs to be figured out. But if he filed for divorce, this story has just gone from crazy to uh, absolutely it's it becomes something like I don't even have I don't even I know I'm the one supposed to be talking I don't have words I'm left literally speechless he's the one who files for divorce so in the letter Hardy does not mention that just three months earlier David had filed for divorce Hardy also claimed in the letter that David didn't did not admit any guilt regarding the abuse of his children how so According to the letter that Hardy writes, hey, one of our own, you know, basically he's innocent. Eileen is the one we can't trust. He he leaves out the fact that David's the one who files for divorce. He 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 in the letter, he claimed that David did not omit any guilt. However, as documented in the Roy's report's previ- previous report, Eileen stated in a sworn court testimony that David Gray confessed he repeatedly kicked and even tried to suffocate one of his children in 2001. Not just to Hardy, but to Grace Community staff pastor Bill Shannon. Within weeks of that confession in July 2001, Grace Community decided not to renew David's teaching contract. So he did confess. David also submitted a handwritten confession of abuse to Hardy during a 2001 counseling session. So if it was delivered to him, here's my confession, and now you're writing a letter to everyone in the church saying, hey, David has not admitted any guilt. Wait, that that is a cover-up. That's straight-up lying. Look, the, the story, it can't get any worse, can it? Can, I mean, this is crazy. So, um... David also submitted a handwriting confession of of abuse to Hardy during a 2001 counseling session. Eileen testified in a sworn declaration, a pastor who heard the tape recordings of Hardy's counseling sessions with Eileen and David stated Eileen was being told to submit to David despite his admitted abuse of her and her children. So he did admit it, yet Hardy disclosed None of this in the 2004 letter. Instead, he wrote, many of you have interacted with David on a personal level. And like those of us on staff who know him, you have great difficulty believing the accusations that have been brought. It ends up being an issue of character, whether or not David has demonstrated this type of character that fits these accusations or not. We can still strongly say that the accusations do not fit with what we know of David. That's... That's crazy. He, David confessed. It, it's like, what? 
What is going on? So David is me, and he filed for divorce. If he filed for divorce, then, then what was the basis of excommunicating Eileen? Because according to them, basically, hey, the Bible don't let will not allow you to divorce your husband in this situation. You're, you're, the Bible won't even allow you to, to legally separate from your husband. That was the, kind of their biblical argument based off 1 Corinthians 7. It seems to be what they tried to use. Well, what did the, but then it gets even crazier. Hardy then detailed an effort to raise $20,000 cash for David's bail, $250,000 in collateral to complete the bail amount and $20,000 for lawyer's fees. Wait a minute. They're writing a letter to people in the church to raise money? Grace Community Church, look up their budget. I look up their the taxes and everything else you can find about their financials. I mean, they bring in over well over a million dollars. Why would they be asking people for money if the church believes in it? They just support it. But now you're getting the people in the pew to give their money to something, and they're going to be doing so based off. Well, David is obviously the innocent one, so we've got to help this innocent man. This now this goes from like just almost diabolical. This just enters into some universe that I'm not even prepared to even think about. Hardy writes that he cannot and am not asking anyone to contribute, but then asks readers to pray about and consider what you might do according to your conscience. So, hey, I, I cannot ask you, but I want you to pray about what you can do, which is around another way of saying, of asking. Hey, here's this financial thing I can't ask you directly, but I need you to pray about what you can do. Well, wait, no, why are you asking the people for money? Grace Community has all kinds of money. That, that, that just seems crazy. Today, David Gray is serving 21 years to life for aggravated child molestation, corporal injury to a child, and child abuse. Just Friday, this past Friday, so a week ago, the California Board of Parole denied Gray parole for 10 years. The transcript of that hearing is not yet available. And when it becomes available, guess what? There's going to be more reports coming out. But according to retired Detective Nelson, who participated in Gray's parole hearing via Zoom, commissioners described Gray's crimes as atrocious and said the evidence against him was overwhelming. Commissioner added that Gray weaponized religion and used the church to gain trust. Yet neither the evidence presented at Gray's trial nor his conviction in 2005 appears to have dampened Grace Community's church's support for him. The Roy's report obtained evidence that Grace Community Church leaders helped start and sustain a ministry for Gray, that ministry, that ministry, uh, sustain a ministry Gray launched from prison. So they, they, not only did they try to raise money for his bail and lawyer's fee, they then basically helped support a ministry that Gray starts in prison. So the man uh, divorces his wife, abuses his children, molest, molest his children, and then he starts a prison ministry and Grace Community Church supports them. Now you say, well, that was way back in 2005 and 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Well, we seem to have going all the way to 2012, right? 
A newsletter for Gray's ministry called Grace Prison Fellowship even contains an alleged endorsement from John MacArthur. And on Gray's Facebook page, which was active until earlier this week, Grace Community Church staff and church members reportedly affirmed Gray in his ministry and post as recent as 2018. The church was supporting the ministry of a, of a convicted child abuser and uh, someone who sexually molested children. Look, what in the world? I, I Look, we're just not talking about a moral failure here. We're not just talking about someone messed up. Yes, someone messed up, confront them. There's repentance, there's restoration, all right? This is, this is illegal activity, criminal activity, sexually molestation of a child, abusing your wife. This, this goes beyond just sin to illegal actions. And the church continued to support them. Now, the Roy's report has reached out to John MacArthur, Carrie Hardy, and several other pastors uh, repeatedly to explain their apparent support for Gray, and none of them will respond. Now, look, it's easy. Look, here's the situation. Here's what we knew. Here's what we didn't know. And here's, or just say, you know what? We messed up horribly, and we've tried to double down and just cover it up. At some point, I mean, I don't know. You you, you just got to deal with it. And I want to make it very clear that on this podcast, I have not said what should be done to anybody. I'm not here uh, pronouncing judgment and punishment and, and and who should be, this should happen. I know that there are people all over the place saying this person should be fired. This person should resign. I'm not here to get into all of that. I'm here to say, this is what happened. And it, and everyone needs to know this is unacceptable and this is wrong. But I want to, uh, this, and to me, one of the major keys to this story is this once again proves that once you reach celebrity status as a pastor, once you reach the celebrity status, you become untouchable. You don't even have, look, you know, you're untouchable when crazy, all these accusations are everywhere. These reports are everywhere. The evidence seems to be overwhelming. We have video of MacArthur excommunicating Eileen. We know that happens. We have court documents showing David Gray is in prison. We know that his parole was denied. We know he was found guilty of physical abuse and sexual abuse of children. All of those are facts. It appears appears, and because I still want to see maybe some specific documents, but it appears David is the one who filed for divorce, and it seems now that there's documentation that Grace Community Church continued to support him and supported his ministry. A a man who files for divorce, we're going to support his ministry? I thought Grace Community Church had a strong stance on divorce. That was the whole reason they went after Eileen. Like, there's enough here that everyone should go, wait a minute. But see, here's the thing. Once you reach celebrity status, you don't even have to, you don't even have to answer. If, if the average pastor in the average church, just enough, just one or two of these accusations were thrown at them, they would, they would probably 
probably within 12, 12 hours would have to be standing in front of someone from the church giving an explanation. Probably within 12 hours, they would, they would, so they, they would probably would have to at least temporarily step down until some answers were done. But no, not if you're a celebrity. You just don't, you just don't have to respond. You don't even have to, you don't have to give a response. You can just ignore everyone. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. We saw this same thing take place. When, when stories started coming out about Ravi Zacharias, there was, there was reports and basically it was denial, denial. Nobody cared. Nobody cared because he was untouchable. He was untouchable. Once you reach an untouchable status, this is what celebrity happens. Listen, people think about this. If you've got people who have paid 300, 400, $500, $200, $100 to, to go to, to get into a building to hear a certain person preach. They're, I mean, they're, that means they're invested. They, they've reached, it's now reached that fan status, that almost status of idolatry. Because when you're paying people to hear them preach God's word, you're really, it's almost like you're, what, what you're paying for is to be around your, your favorite celebrity. And I've already talked about that. The celebrity culture thing has created a, a monster. And, and people who are supporting MacArthur, they, they, I mean, they just won't, they don't want to hear this. They, 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 they want to just fight it and fight it and argue against it. Again, the, the basic facts are enough for everyone to go, wait a minute, something went wrong here. Something went wrong here. The abuser is not excommunicated. The abuser goes to jail, not excommunicated. The wife who was the abused trying to protect her children who were sexually molested, she's excommunicated. Like just, if you just leave it there, forget the name. Remove MacArthur. Just look at it from that point. Now, to me, this should make us all stop and go, whoa, whoa, okay. Okay, what's, have, have I handled church discipline the right way? Have I ever handled it the wrong way? Have I handled my own mistakes the right way? Have I handled my own failures the right way? Did my church handle failures the right way? Like, we have to ask ourselves some tough questions here. It raises questions about church membership. It raises questions about church discipline. So just, if, if, just forget MacArthur. If, we, if MacArthur's name's not attached to this, I would hope that 100% of Christians would be like, wow, man, this, this is horrible. This is horrible. And in a sense, it, I repent you know, it's almost like when the prophets would, they would look at the sins of Israel and they would confess it as their own sin and they would weep over it. We need to confess this as a failure of Christianity and we all need to weep and be broken over it, including myself. You would hope everyone would do that, but you add MacArthur's name to it and immediately it turns into not my side, not my team. My team would never. So your team didn't do it. So then we attack the, the woman who was abused. So, so the woman who was abused is still, in a sense, being abused by Christians who are supposed to care about those who are being hurt. We, we should be caring about justice here. The, the story is just absolutely horrible. I would challenge you, go read everything in the Rory's report. Go read everything in the Rory's report. But I, this is what I want to take from the story. All right? I want to jump from 2001, 2005, 2012, even all the way to 2018, where Grace Community Church is still supporting him. I don't know what they've done from 2018 to 2022. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't, 
I didn't copy everything down to, to see what other support they may have offered. But this is the part of the story I wanted to consider. Because this becomes really, to me, applicable, especially for this week, because for, for those who don't know, we do a Bible study exercise every week well, we, we, uh, for our podcast, and we take one passage of Scripture, and we spend all week studying that passage of Scripture. And this week, the passage of Scripture that we've been looking at, I think, is very applicable to this story, and I think the ending of this story is very important. So let's jump to today. Today, March the, March the 18th, 2022. Today, let's turn our attention away from MacArthur, Grace Community Church, Carrie Hardy, all of the people involved, David Gray. Let's just, let's set them all aside. And let's turn our attention to Eileen Gray. Today, according to the Royce report, Eileen Gray is safe. As are her grown children, those scars remain. Now, as soon as I read that, I kind of paused, and, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're safe. I bet you scars remain, and I bet you Eileen has basically renounced Christianity, hates Christianity, and I, I, was gonna, I, I didn't want to read the rest. But I kept reading, and doesn't appear she's abandoned Christianity. She writes, or they write in regards to Eileen Gray, and they quote her, I'm not bitter, she told the Roy's report. Was I wounded beyond belief? Did I go through anger? Absolutely. I went through everything, every painful emotion, but I did it before the Lord, asking him to bring healing. Now that convicted me. That that broke me. Because what Eileen goes through here is absolutely insane. She doesn't see the love of Jesus. She doesn't see mercy. She doesn't see grace. She sees a system that basically turns on her, abandons her, and, and just they forget her. Eileen Gray even tried to call John MacArthur multiple times thinking he would apologize, and he, she, he never returned her call. She was basically ignored. Everyone in the church basically turned on her. The, the body of Christ turned on the abused woman. The body of Christ turned on her. I can't speak for, for anyone else, but I can speak for me. There, I, I, just the things I've experienced with how Christians have treated me, and in and, 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 and this case, Eileen, you could argue, what, what did she even do wrong? I've done things wrong. I've made mistakes, but in some cases, even the way Christians treated me, in some cases, made me bitter. But if I went through what Eileen did, I don't know. I, I, I would, I pray, I hope that I would say that I, I would have turned to the Lord. I don't know if I would have turned to anything related to God. I think I would have been so bitter. But she turned to the Lord. She goes on to say, Eileen says she was devastated by Grace Community Church's rejection of her. The rejection of her. The shock of learning David had molested her children and the turmoil of his trial, so were her children. I cried a lot. 
I cried and I cried to God. That convicted me. She cried to God. She, she possessed the spirituality enough to not allow what the body of Christ, what those who supposedly represent God, what they did to blind her from seeing God. Sometimes the things that block people's view of God is us, those of us in ministry, those of us who sit in front of a microphone and a Christian podcast, those of us who stand behind pulpits. Sometimes we do more damage to the name of God and blind people from seeing God because of our own stupidity, our own foolishness, and our own arrogance. But she somehow doesn't allow that to stop her from crying out to God. She looks to God and does not look to those who supposedly represent and speak for him. She goes on to say, she cried out to God and said, I don't know what good could come out of this, how you could ever bring glory to yourself. That, that's very theological. She's still worrying about how could God be glorified in it? That, that's, that's theologically sound. But she added, I know the Lord and I know Jesus isn't anything like them, referring to Grace Community Church. All right, that, that, whew. I get emotional at this point. Is it true of you, true of me, that we're nothing like Jesus? Is it true of your church, of my church, that, that you know what, that people can say, they're nothing like Jesus. I, I, I know Jesus, but, but I don't, they're nothing like Jesus. And you know what, there's been times in my life that I wasn't like Jesus. If people looked to me, they weren't going to see Jesus because I was nothing like him. I was a failure and a sinner, and I'm still a sinner. Let me make it very clear. We're always going to fall short, but we should strive to do our best to try to be as much like Jesus as we can. We're never going to be perfect. That's why we are saved by an imputed righteousness, not a practical righteousness. That's why we're saved by grace, not by works. But it is sad when an abused woman and her children were molested has to say, I know Jesus isn't anything like Grace Community Church. Just that alone, just that statement alone should make everyone from Grace Community Church stop and go, we need to reach out to Eileen. Now, why, why are you, why are you going to reach out to her in 2022? Yeah, yeah, you should have been reaching out to her. I don't know. After David Gray was found guilty of molesting children, but no, they supported him and continue to support him because he's some, even though when he filed for divorce, they continue to support him. But whatever will motivate them. When you realize that someone's out there going, man, that church did not represent Jesus. The best you can do is, even if you may disagree, you can still say, "We look, whatever we've done to give you that perception, whether you agree or disagree, we apologize. We are sorry because the thing that we care about most is trying to point people to Christ, not blinding people from seeing Christ. I've talked about it before. There was a situation with someone in my church. There was some messed up situations going on. And now the person needed to be confronted. 
something was going to have to be done. And when I walked up to the next, after everything went crazy the night before, and we started finding out what was going on, and that, that woman's husband called us, it was just a bad situation. When I saw the woman the next day, to this day, I, I'm still broken and I hate myself. I, 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 and now it, it was, there was a lot to the situation and I was at work. So technically, you know, I worked with the person. So we're in a work environment. So I couldn't, but still what I should have done as I just, I basically didn't say anything to her. And what I should have done is just walked up to her and just tell her that I love you in Christ. God loves you. And I should have just given her some comfort, at least I'm not saying comfort her in her sin, but remind her of God's love. And just remind her of the love that that we have for her in Christ. That's what I should have done, but I didn't do that. And to this day, I re, re, regret what I did. I, I I I should have. I just I. And there's so many other. I mean, that's just one that comes to my mind right now because there's someone who who was hurt, someone who had messed up, but they needed they needed God's grace is what they needed. I can think of all of times I've messed up. I know Jesus isn't anything like Grace Community Church. And I bet you there's people out there who've said, I know Jesus isn't anything like me. And I and I hate that. I I loathe myself that I ever have done that. But I've I've, I've been guilty of it. I, I want to make this clear. This is not just about bashing MacArthur. This is about using this horrible situation to learn from. We have to learn from the mistakes that happen within Christianity. Judgment begins with us, right? We we've got to see when we do things wrong. We have to look to ourselves. She goes on to say, and I can't blame what they're doing or what David did on the Lord. For years, Eileen concentrated her energy on her kids and her own healing. But she said she also asked the Lord to help her find hurting women she could help. At first, Eileen volunteered in a nursing home, but then someone invited her to minister to women in the local jail where she flourished. Today, Eileen serves as a local missionary in the jail, leading Bible studies and church services and helping women to overcome addictions. She also has a free hotline for inmates installed in her home where they can reach her anytime, day or night. Eileen's also received training in trauma care and critical incident debriefing and serves as a law enforcement chaplain for a local sheriff's department. Looking back, Eileen says David's abuse and the ordeal at Grace Community Church was horribly hard, but said God drew me closer to himself and deepened my faith through the whole thing. She added, I saw God turn it to good years later. He gave me a heart for hurting women, a deep heart. And after a time of healing, of course, not total healing, but healing, I was saying to the Lord, okay, Lord, you've been comforting me, strengthening me. Where are the hurting women? Show me. I want them to know you like I have come to know you. Now, I'm not going to sit here because I know I'm going to get probably someone. It's probably going to be someone in the reformed world who's going to email me going, but I bet you she doesn't believe this. And and they're going to attack her doctrinally. Look, I'm not here to say I agree with everything Eileen Gray believes because I don't know what she believes. I'm not here to get into that. And if that's if that's what you try to take from this, then that just demonstrates a, a completely wrong mindset. Here's what I know. She seems to believe in the Lord and she's trying to serve the Lord. We may disagree theologically, 
But the fact that she's still trusting in the Lord and turning to the Lord after everything that's happened to her is convicting and challenging to me. And it reminds me of the scripture that we've been looking at all week. The scripture we're studying this week for the Bible study exercise is John 14, 1 through 6. And John chapter 14, verse 1 begins with these very powerful words. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. The reason those words are so powerful in chapter 14, verse 1, is not because we can simply rip them out of context and try to apply them to ourselves, because that would not make them actually powerful. That would mean we were actually mishandling them. But when you see them in their context, the words become even more powerful than we could imagine. Jesus is saying, let not your heart be troubled, but he's saying it in the context of chapter 13. And we have two very powerful, we have a number of things that happen in chapter 13, but two very important things occur or we know is about to happen. In chapter 13, we learn, and, and, and the person is identified, that Judas is going to deny Jesus Christ, or he's going to betray Jesus Christ. Let me state it correctly. That Judas is going to betray Jesus Christ. He is the betrayer. Jesus is going to be betrayed by some one of his own disciples. And, we, and he's identified. Judas is identified. We also find out in, in chapter 13 that Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. Jesus is going to be betrayed. Jesus is going to be denied by those are his, that are his disciples. There is going to be failure within the disciples. I want to make this very clear. Even the original disciples, there was failure. There was failure amongst the original disciples. There was denial. There was betrayal, even with the original disciples. I know I'm repeating myself because if there was failure there, then there's going to be failure now. So in the so Jesus in a sense is saying to the rest of the disciples there's going to be someone who's going to betray me there's going to be someone who's going to deny me but in the midst of the betrayal in the midst of the denial let not your heart be troubled around us there's going to be failure in churches and ministries there's going to be people people like me who will let you down and will hurt the name of Christ there's going to be failure. This does not excuse anyone's failure, but it, when you see the failure, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Well, because you don't put your faith in those people. You don't put your faith in that. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. When people betray, when people deny, when people fail, believe in God and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Your trust has to be in God and Christ, not in men, not in the, the, the earthly church, in a sense what I'm saying, the earthly institution, because the earthly institution is always going to be marred by sin because it's made up by sinners. This is not excusing anyone's sin. But when everyone around you is failing, when, when the institution fails you, when people hurt you, when you can't see Jesus because they stop representing Jesus, then stop looking to them and look to Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe in his son. That's where we have to look to. Doesn't excuse anyone else's sin, but don't let your heart be troubled by the failure, by the betrayal. 
In my father's house are many mansions. Remember this. The church may abandon you. The church may stab you in the back. The church may excommunicate you. The church may exclude you. But they cannot take away from you your relationship with God because nothing can separate you from the love of God. And this is very important. They cannot take away from you the place in heaven. There is a dwelling place waiting for you. And the reason they can't take it away from you is because Jesus goes to prepare a place for you. Now, typically this is taught that like Jesus went to heaven and he's been working on your dwelling place for 2000 years. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me theologically. Like what, what needs to be fixed in heaven? Are you saying heaven is not perfect and Jesus has got to prepare it and get it ready? It needs to be cleaned up. No, the idea here is removing all the obstacles in the road. Well, Jesus goes and prepares the place for you, and he prepared that place by going to the cross 2,000 years ago and dying and shed his blood so that everything in the way, God's law that you have violated, he was going to keep. Your sin, he was going to pay for so that the road is paved In a sense, it's paved, all the rocks are removed, and you now can walk right in to your dwelling place because Christ prepared that way for you. Doesn't matter what other people may say. Doesn't matter what other people may do. Other people may betray. Other people may deny. Other people may try to exclude you. Other people may treat you horribly, say all kinds of bad things about you, hop on the internet to gossip and slander you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and believe that he prepared a place for you. And he prepared that place 2000 years ago by dying on the cross. It is finished. All preparation is, is done. You're, you are secure because you are saved by his imputed uh, righteousness. His imputed active and passive obedience is yours. Stand in that. Let not your heart be troubled. I want to make this very clear. This is also words for the betrayer and the denier. Even though Peter denied Jesus three times, as someone who was a believer, he's not excluded. He still can be forgiven. He still can be restored. He still can be used. Even when we fail, when we're the ones who mess up, for everyone at Grace Community Church, for all of them who messed up in this, there is forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. Bring your sin to him and it can be forgiven. There should be forgiven. There should be restoration. For David Gray, there can be forgiveness for what he has done. But not only is Jesus going to prepare, he went to prepare a place for us. He went to the cross and died to prepare that place. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. That he's going to come again. Let not your heart be troubled because no matter how bad it gets, Christ is coming again. And not only this, you may, you may look into what the church is doing. You may look at how we all mess up as pastors and as, as Christians. And you may not know the way. You may not know what the truth is. And you may not know what, what, where anything is. Just remember that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. We have the way, we have the truth, and we have life in Christ Jesus. And the church can't, can't 
stop that. The church can turn against the truth. They can try to keep you from the way, and they can try to exclude you from the life, but the life, the truth, and the way is found in Christ, and the church cannot keep you from that. Let not your heart be troubled. Eileen Gray found a way to not let her heart be troubled because even though she couldn't see Jesus in the actions of Grace Community Church, even though they turned her back on her, they, and, and her words, let's see, I, I can't remember what her exact words were. They uh, rejected her. They completely rejected her. W- didn't even get a call to apologize to her. Until this day, 2022, she's still being rejected, still being condemned. People are still saying things be- negatively about the woman who was abused. And uh, her. Ch- and I guess, I guess they're going to go on and say negative. I mean, I guess by default, they're saying something negative about children who were sexually molested, which is just insane. Even after all of this, she she is trusting in God. She's not letting her heart be troubled. That's what we need to take from this story. Again, go to julieroys.com, the Roy's Report. Read the whole story for yourself. Some of you are not going to like it. And let's remind, let's remind, uh, let's, let's make it very clear that don't sit here because a lot of people who are attacking what happened here clearly hate MacArthur's doctrine and theology. So a lot of people are blaming what MacArthur did on his theology, right? Blaming it on his Calvinism and all of that kind of thing. And because people love to do that. When someone fails, then they'll attack their theology. All right. John MacArthur is a sinner like everyone else. It, now, what he did is inexcusable. What his church did is inexcusable, and they need to an answer for it. And there needs to be confession, there needs to be re- repentance, and there needs to be an apology. And for crying out loud, Grace Community Church, lift the excommunication on Eileen Gray. She still shouldn't be considered excommunicated and turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. It's just insane that that has not been t- taken care of and removed. All right? So it's just horrific. It's horrible. But they messed up. But, okay, this is, I just, man, this is so difficult. This is so difficult to even try to process everything I want to say here. But they, they need to do all of that. They, they, need, they need to do all of that. They, it, they, they have to do all of that. I'm, yeah, I'm right now, I'm just a little, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know what else I can say. I, I know I was going a different direction and I'm just stopping myself because I don't even know what else to say at this point. I, I, it's just horrible, but read the report. Read the report for yourself. Read the report. But then let's look to ourselves and pray for everyone involved. Pray for everyone involved in the situation. Be challenged by how Eileen handled herself. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I, I was going to go in a d- different direction. I know I kind of stopped myself abruptly. I know I was getting ready to make a point and I just stopped because... Um, yeah, I, it's just, it's hard. It's just difficult to, to, to know what to say. Like, like, I wish I had some like dramatic way to end this, but there's not, there's no, there's no good way of ending it. I just wish that this would all just go away. I, I wish this would, would all go away. And, and I don't want this to come across like I'm just condemning anyone I'm just looking at a, a horrible story, and it just means that the church, the church needs to do better. The church needs to do better. 
We all need to do better. I'm thankful that our salvation is not based on, 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 you know, how good we can do things. But, yeah, and, 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 and again, what a lot of people are going to do, and I think what I was saying is that, you know, a lot of people are just using this to attack MacArthur's theology, all right? And that this is not the time to attack the theology. This is a time to just focus on the actions that were done and then call for the church to, to fix that, all right? Um, because there's people of all kinds of theological backgrounds who've done horrible and messed up things, Covering, uh, covering up of abusers have happened in non-Calvinistic churches and Calvinistic churches. So I, I, I just, I, I'm tired of it turning into all of that and everyone yelling about that. It's not the time to do that. It's the time to go after the action. The actions were wrong, and then hopefully something will be done. I, I have a feeling that there's going to be more. I have a feeling there's going to be at least one more report coming out about all of this. And, and I don't know what, how this is all going to be reconciled, but I, I guess what I want to do, I guess in a roundabout way, what I want to do, as you can hear me at the end here, struggle, stammer, struggle, okay, having a problem wrapping it up. Th- there's a part of me that I want my struggle here to symbolize that this ends in an ugly, broken way, that I, I want you to just realize that in Christianity, there's times where things are just ugly, broken, and sometimes there's no clear, easy answers, and it just all, that we've got to see beyond that, those kinds of struggles, that beyond all of this, we have to see, let my heart not be troubled because I believe in God. Yeah, there you go. There's more I want to say, but I'll just stop there. I, I kind of want it. To, I, I kind of want it on purpose to end that way. I, I want it to not on purpose, but on purpose in that way. I, I could, I could, I could try to bring this to a more polished conclusion, but I don't really want it to end in a polished conclusion because that's how the Christian life works. It, it's ugly. It's messy. It's problematic, and we struggle with with issues. I, I, I sometimes I want us to just acknowledge that. But the celebrity culture thing has to go away. Yeah, see, there's so many different directions I could go. All right, I'm going to end there. You can email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Pray, just pray for everyone involved and pray for ourselves. Pray for ourselves. Pray for all of us because we, we, we're all... We're all a mess. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. I don't know if you've learned anything else. We're all sinners. We're just all messed up, broken people. And the church is just filled with a lot of messed up, broken people. I'm not excusing anyone's sin, but that's just the reality of it. Until we understand, we, we got to learn to live with that reality and operate within the reality and stop this nonsense that, you know, oh, you become a Christian and every, you know, again, I, you know, I reject the concept, but Christians always preach it this way, that when you become a Christian, you're a new creature, old things are passed away, all things have become new. And they teach that, that it means that's true practically, but it's not true practically because we all still possess a sinful nature. So obviously all things haven't become new. Not all the old is gone if I still have a sinful nature. That is true positionally. Practically, I'm still a broken, messed up, twisted sinner. 
And so are you. And so is your church. And so is my church. Until we acknowledge that and then struggle with that reality, not covering it up, but dealing with the fact. All right. There you go. I I apologize for I for not having the right words. I really do. I'm just I'm just really broken over the whole situation because I mean and 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 I and I was going to say this and I stopped myself, but I'll just make it very clear. Look, a lot of people are attacking MacArthur's theology, right? And because they hate MacArthur, so they're attacking his theology. I want to make sure everybody at least remembers this, and I do want to say this at the end. I will end with this. Um let everyone know. I don't, I don't hate MacArthur's theology. I, I, I've credited MacArthur. He's the one who discipled me. My discipleship into the Christian life was because of MacArthur. I think I own every book he's ever written. I think I own all of his commentaries. I used to subscribe to his tape ministry and get the tape sent to my house. I've probably listened to more sermons by John MacArthur than any other pastor easily. At the same time, I've been willing to be critical of, well, his celebrity status, charging people hundreds of dollars to get in for the Shepherds Conference. I, I slowly but surely moved away from his, his lordship concept and, and began to reject that and call that into question. When he gives his test that this proves you're a Christian, we, I've talked about all of that. But I want to make it clear that I don't hate MacArthur's theology. I, I, don't, I, don't, I reject his lordship concept now. But it's not like I have some axe to grind with his theology. So I'm using this because that's what a lot of people it feels like. Hey, I hate MacArthur's theology. Now, now he's messed up. So now I can attack his theology. That's just, that's just a ridiculous way to act. That's childish. There's not a, a chance to attack his theology. Let's just deal with the action because there's people of all different theological streams who have who sin and mess up. You find it in the charismatic world and the Catholic world, Greek Orthodox world, Episcopal, Methodist, Anglican. You you just name it. There because every church is made up of broken sinners. So I don't want anyone to think that I've got some axe to grind on MacArthur's theology. Yeah, we I, we could talk about how this whole thing calls into question the whole lordship concept because the whole lordship concept basically puts people under a constant test. And if you don't do this and do this, then you possibly prove you're never saved. Well, what is what do you how do you apply that lordship test to a church who has defended a pedophile and a child abuser and excommunicated the woman who was abused? Um, I mean, how do you even, how do you, how do, how does her children even process all of that? Hopefully they were too young. They don't even remember. Well, I mean, they're going to remember the abuse. Hopefully they don't remember everything the church did. But I mean, like, you know, that doesn't demonstrate godliness or righteousness or holiness, and it doesn't demonstrate love for other people. So does that mean they fell the Lordship test? Right. So I could, I could go from it from that direction, but it's not here to, it's not here to talk about that. It's here to talk about this was messed up. And their, their mess up, their failure, their sin needs to serve as a mirror for us to see our own failures and our own sin. Because I can't speak for everyone else, but I'm a sinner and I have failed and I have messed up in so many different ways. I'm not speaking, I'm coming at you from a moral, that I'm morally superior. I'm not morally superior to anyone. I'm the chief of sinners. And I'm thankful that my salvation is by grace. 
And I hope we can learn not for our heart to be troubled after this horrible telling of this horrible story. Please read all of the Roy's report, every word for yourself, and uh, pray. Pray like you, you know, for everyone. Pray for everyone. All right, everyone have a great day. God bless.